Guys, good morning. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, if you're watching online, it's great to see you. And uh, man, wherever you are in your home with your family or if you're by yourself, uh, uh, hey, how's it going? But um, I also wanna give a shout out to some people that I might be in person with right now. A group of us are meeting at the YMCA for an experiment. We're calling it a big watch party. And so maybe you're there. So if you're there, what's up? Good to see you guys. Whoop, whoop. Um, I hope this is a good experience. Uh, we'll see. And maybe it's something we get to do again sometime. I'd love to get into today's teaching this morning. Can I start with a kind of bizarre story? Something weird that happened to me two weeks ago. I, see, what happened was I got kicked out of a convenience store for trying to buy a slushie. That's the true story. And I'm not joking. This is how it happened. So um, I, I was giving my, my son and his buddy a ride home from football practice. And we go in to get a slushy, a little treat after practice. So we walk in like you do and, and we get start to fill up you know, the cups. And I go to the counter and the guy behind the counter looks at me and it's kind of a weird look. And I just say, oh, hey, how's it going, man? I just want to get these three slushies. And he goes, and he points over my head. And I'm like, I really, I, I thought he was talking to somebody else. Someone was just leaving. I'm like, maybe he was, that's their secret symbol. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just, one of these three slushies is all. It's just three slushies. And he says, out. And I'm like, did he just say out? What? Surely he's talking to someone else. So I'm, uh, just the three slushies. He said, get out of my store. The three of you, out of my store. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's talking to me. So I, He's wearing a mask and I'm wearing a mask and I'm thinking maybe there's like a, like a mumbling thing happening, like a miscommunication. So I'm like, real quick, I'm like, okay, maybe, I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you were saying. Uh, I just need the three slushies. And then, and he goes, take your slushies and get out. And I'm like, what for real? We're confused. And so the la my last resort here is I'm like, I haven't paid for the slushies. So I go, so slushies are... Are they free or do you want? He says, out. I'm like, okay, thank you. I walked out. And that's the story about how I got kicked out of a convenience store for trying to buy slushies. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what happened. I could, I talked about it with the boys, uh, told the story to some other people. And we're just sitting there like, we don't know what happened. Maybe he was angry or maybe he was just trying to hook us up with some free slushies, but he didn't want his manager to know. I don't know. I don't know what the story was. The reason I tell the story though, is because a couple of days later, I told that story to a friend and they were laughing. Like, man, that is crazy. What is happening? And they said this phrase, I want to lock it into your brain. They said, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen that. And I thought, you know, that line, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen that. That's a powerful line. And uh, it actually goes directly into what we're talking about today, we're teaching today. Because, you know, there was a time when the only way you could really know about something that had happened somewhere else, if you, if you weren't there, if you didn't see it, is somebody would come to your town and they would tell you about it. Maybe some guy with a lute would sing a little song about it. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, and later we get newspapers and eventually we get video. And that's a really good way that if you can't be there, or you couldn't have seen something, you, you do get to kind of see it. In fact, we are the most like, recording stuff thing in the history of mankind, we're going live with everything. I mean, we're in there like, yeah, I got, hey, what's up, Facebook? Hey, I want to show you my sandwich. It's a good sandwich. Let me get an audience here. Let me get an audience. I'm going to get an audience for you. Hey, guys, I'm going hey, hey, Bill. Hey, I'm going to eat a sandwich. You know, I don't care. I don't care about your sandwich. So, so that's a little bit annoying. But on the other side of that, it's how cool it is that we get to record like current events and major moments in history and people are going live with it. And we got video footage of all this and it's really good news. And it's especially good news for the kingdom of God 
Because the things that are happening around the world, the good things happening in people's lives because of Jesus are being recorded. And maybe you couldn't be there and maybe you couldn't see it, but you can know the story. Let's talk about that. We're wrapping up a teaching series today uh, through the book of Acts. And it's been a journey, eight weeks long. It's a long teaching series by my standards because I, I get a little ADD and I want to just like move on pretty quick. So eight weeks in one subject is, is, is a good, good run for me. And it's a lot to cover. I mean, there's a lot going on in the book of Acts. I hope you've been reading it on your own. If you hadn't, start today. It's a great book of the Bible. But instead of covering every single verse, every single word and breaking the whole thing down, we broke it into sections and we're studying it really one word at a time. Each of our lessons is boiled down into a focus word for the week. And so what I want to do before we get into our teaching is kind of review those focus words so we can see where we've been. So if you know, you can, you can shout out to the TV uh, from home and, and let us know, you know, if, if you know. But, but week one, what was week one? The word was wait, wait, wait. Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. And he tells his apostles, go to Jerusalem and wait. And he's like, I'm going to send a gift to you there. And so the power will come on when the Holy Spirit comes. And then they go to wait. And the second week, we met that gift. We met the Holy Spirit. We called him the helper. Week two was helper. We saw the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two. And we saw over 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus in Christian baptism. Amazing story. Week three, they hit their first road bump. Uh, there's like a, an opposition from the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin. And so we meet Peter and John as they show, what's the word? Boldness. And it's an amazing story. The next week, we see even more opposition as we meet the story of Stephen and he becomes the first martyr uh, for Christianity. He gives his life for his faith. Our word there was persecution. And we learned about persecution in the modern church today and ways that we can you know, be aware of it and support it. Beyond persecution, we, we then meet the apostle Paul. Now he becomes kind of the main character of the whole book of Acts. Uh, but before he was Paul, missionary of all missionaries, he was Saul, persecutor of the church. And what we saw was his transformation. Transformation was our word that week. It was cool to follow him for a minute, but then we step back into Peter's life and we meet Cornelius. He is our first Gentile convert to Christianity. The non-Jewish group of people get the gospel of Jesus. Uh, and, and our word was inclusion. Inclusion, because what happens is God finally fulfills a promise that he made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, all the way in Acts chapter 10. And the idea is that all mankind will be included in the promise of God. Beautiful, beautiful story, inclusion. Last week, we got to our final word. The word was accessible. Accessible. We see the apostle Paul again. And really, we condense all of his travels. I mean, he travels, you know, thousands and thousands of miles around the Mediterranean region, establishing churches and doing all this stuff. But we, we, we kind of compiled them into one story uh, when he's in Athens. And what was our word? Accessible. He meets these people where they are. He, he talks about things that they understand and stories that they, they get. And he makes, he shows them like, God is near. You're in proximity to God. He's all around. But here's how you have access to him. And so um, that's been the book of Acts so far. This week, we come to the end of this great book. And when I read great books, um, I have mixed emotions uh, when, when I get to the end. And I close that cover. Maybe you kind of rub the front of the cover. You look at the picture for a minute. Uh, one of them is like a feeling of completion. Like, yeah, I did it. I, I finished this thing and you're really proud of yourself. But probably the most prominent emotion, especially for the greatest books, is actually 
like sadness. Like I'm sad that it's over. I, man, because like while you're reading a really great book, especially one with really great characters, whether they're fictional or non-fictional, you, you get drawn in and like you feel like you made some new friends and you feel like you made in a weird way, you made some new memories and you're just sad for that part to be over. And it's a pretty common thing. I, I talk to people who read books all the time and, and that seems like a pretty common thing, but maybe you're not a reader. I'm gonna tell you this, you, you probably have experienced it through TV or movies. In fact, if you watched any or most of the, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the, you know, the superhero movies that have been all over the place, and, and you watched especially all of those and you get to the end, to Endgame, who, oh man, the, I love you 3,000. I need a minute. It's great, man. And if you didn't cry at least three times, you didn't watch the movies right. Like you just, you gotta watch them again. It's so good. I can't even talk about Iron Man right now. I just don't even, but okay. Maybe if you didn't see those movies, that's fine. You can start over. There's only like 150 of them. And they're like, I think they're on Disney plus right now. So uh, by the way, Wakanda forever, right? Um, so look, great stories draw us in and we just, we, we live in them and we want to be part of them. And we feel like we're part of the story. Anyway, this week we come to the end of a great story. Now, the book of Acts wasn't written like a, you know, a, a thriller novel that's a page turner, and you're not like on the edge of your seat waiting to see what Paul does next. But in a very real way, it draws you in. As a Christian, reading the book of Acts can feel a little bit more like, have you ever looked through a photo album of like your grandparents? And you see these familiar faces, but you're like, you don't really know those people. You definitely don't know the people that they're sitting with and you don't recognize all the places, but you instinctively know this is important to me. This is important to my life. It means something to me. Like I can't be who I am today without what's happening in these pictures. And it's in that way, I think, because Acts is really a historical book that we get drawn in and it really makes us feel like we're part of the story. The reason we should feel that way is because you are part of the story. The book that God began in the pages of the book of Acts is the same, sorry, the church, the church that God began in the pages of the book of Acts is the same church that we are part of today. And so they, in very real ways, are our ancestors in faith. And there's some crazy stories in the book of Acts. I mean, crazy stories. Man, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen that. But we get to do the second best thing. We get to hear them through the stories that are told. There's a word for that. And I'm finally getting to today's word. This is the last word of our book. Uh, and our word is testimony. Testimony is a great word. It comes from the Greek word uh, martyria. Uh, we actually get the word martyr from that word. And it's a legal word. What it means is like evidence. That's why in a, a court of law, someone would give a testimony about what they saw. I mean, it's, it's evidence. I saw it. And so it'll be weighed as evidence. We also have the word witness can be come from that same root word. And so like what you see and you have witnessed it, you get to tell the story. In fact, in Christian history, we've adopted both of these words, testimony and witness to mean something like this. Your testimony is the story you tell about what God did in your life to, to save you, to make you who you are. And the act of telling that story and talking about God is called witnessing. And that's what the book of Acts really is. It's an evidence. It's a testimony. 
It's witness to what God can do in this world. And we've talked about a lot of those stories throughout our series, and we we met a lot of those people, but we skipped like most of them. I'm telling you, you got to read through the book of Acts. It's really good for you. You should know what happened in the early years of the church. Um, But what I want to do is just kind of, I want to do like a lightning round and jump through a couple more stories. Just so you can see some of these stories, the testimony, I wish I'd have been there. Like for example, in Acts chapter eight, there was an Ethiopian man. Okay, and he's so blown away by God's faithfulness because of some stuff that he was reading. Uh, it was the book of Isaiah that he was reading that immediately when he comes into counter, encounter with that information, also one of the apostles comes along. And that's a pretty cool story too. He tells the driver of his vehicle, he's in like this chariot thing and he's reading this stuff and he's like, stop the car. There's some water. I need to get baptized. And he like immediately gets baptized. Here's what happens. When our story comes into contact with God's story, our life becomes forever changed. The Ethiopian guy becomes forever changed. In fact, he takes the story of Jesus back to his home country of Ethiopia, basically becoming the first missionary to the continent of Africa. And the continent of Africa becomes forever changed. Move forward to chapter 16, someone we haven't talked about. While Paul is traveling through uh, his, his lands there, he comes to a place called Philippi. He meets a lady there named Lydia. He tells Lydia about Jesus. She accepts the message. Philippi is, uh, she goes back, there's a church that's established there. It grows. In fact, we have a book in the New Testament called Philippians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the people who live there. But they're also in Europe. And Lydia becomes the first Christian convert in Europe. Her story becomes forever changed. The, The continent of Europe becomes forever changed as the story of Jesus begins to trickle in. And there are still churches in Ethiopia and in Philippi. Their stories forever being changed when they come into contact with the story of God. We read about other ones in chapter 18. Now we're in Corinth. We've moved a little further west and Paul uh, meets a group of people who are going to become some of the strongest Christian leaders in the early church. We meet Aquila and Priscilla and this guy named Apollos and they become like the leaders of the church in that region. Uh, That trio ends up giving their entire life to Christian missionary work just like Paul does and countless people's stories are forever changed because they get to have their story come into contact with God's story. And then we move to chapter 19 and we go to the city of Ephesus. Now Ephesus is probably where Paul spent the majority of his missionary life. I think he was there for something like 15 years. That's quite a career in that city. Uh, Incidentally, also the apostle John was there in Ephesus. So they had a strong leadership core at that church, I'll tell you. Uh, But we meet in chapter 19, probably a group of people who are the farthest from God of almost anybody we see in the Bible. Uh, They're practicing black magic and sorcery is what it's kind of called. Just a little little bit of phrase from that story in chapter 19. It says that they, they hear about the story of Jesus and after they are convinced of who Jesus is, check this out. It says they brought their scrolls, their witchcraft scrolls with their spells and all their incantations and stuff. They brought their scrolls together and burned them. Now, that that might not sound like a big transition in someone's life, but it also says in the passage that those scrolls are worth 50,000 drachma. I don't know how many drachma you have, but I'll tell you this. Uh, Scholars say that that equals about five lifetimes of annual income. Very valuable possession, these scrolls. It's before the printing press. And they bring them to burn. Why? Because their story came in contact with God's story. And they were forever changed. In fact, they were willing to completely turn their life around. And you might ask, 
why didn't they just put them up on eBay or take them to a yard sale? Like they could have made some coin on that. Like it had been a good exchange. They could have given the money to the church. Uh, why not? Fair question. I love what uh, Dr. Mark Moore, one of my favorite biblical scholars says about that. He says, there is a spiritual principle at play. One does not advance the church by profiting on paganism. These books were evil contraband. These new believers said, no one needs this darkness. No one needs this evil. And we're not going to play any part of it. I don't care what it costs us. We're going to burn them so that we can move forward. It was a sacrificial move on their part. That's testimony. All of those stories. As, as Paul and his companions come teaching and, and living and showing people their own life and what God's done through them, other people come alongside and like, I want to know about that. Tell me what you've seen. Tell me what you've heard. And it says there at the end of that little section in chapter 19 with the story we just read about burning the scrolls. I love this passage. This is actually the only passage from the book of Acts we're going to read today. Uh, very short, one verse. Acts chapter 19, verse 20 says, In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. In this way. In what way? In a way like people heard about the story of Jesus and they were willing to get rid of the trash that was keeping them away from God if it meant burning it or losing valuable possessions. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. What a story. What testimony over and over, evidence upon evidence. I love how the apostle John starts out his letter uh, called 1 John. He wrote several books in the New Testament, but 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. He talks about the power of testimony in his own life. This is how he starts that book. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you. In other words, like, I'm not gonna tell you about some rumor I heard. I wanna tell you about what I saw, what I heard, what I touched, what I participated in. He's talking about Jesus. The Bible writers have seen God in the flesh. They've seen him work in their lives. They interacted with his story. They were there and it transformed them. There are so many more. Let's go through a couple of more because this is fun. We already talked about Paul, his transformation become, from, becoming, uh, from being a, a persecutor of the church to a, a great Christian missionary. But there's a lot of stories uh, that we also didn't talk about, about the leaders of the church. You know about Peter. We mentioned Peter. You know about Peter's testimony? Well, Peter, when Jesus first finds him, is this uneducated fisherman with like a hot temper. He does a lot of things that are kind of embarrassing, but he is transformed by be and becomes like this well-spoken, patient, wise leader of the church. And we, and we saw him in Acts chapter two, being gifted with the ability to speak and inaugurate the Holy Spirit's coming into the world, uh, at least to the church. We meet James and John. These guys, when we first meet them, do you know what their nickname was? They were called Sons of Thunder. That was their nickname because these guys were like just, you know, like I always picture them like they're in a biker gang. I don't know why. Like they've got like, they've got leather jackets on and tattoos. I don't know. But the, the idea of James and John, Sons of Thunder, Jesus rebukes them several times and they kind of go in, into some arguments with him about some things. You know what? They become some of the most prolific leaders in Christian history becoming wise, discerning, patient, empathetic people. How about Matthew? 
Now, Matthew, I don't know if you think much about him, but Matthew was, might have been one of the most outcasts of all of the apostles. This guy worked for the government. Uh, he would have been despised. He was a tax collector, okay? And so he was a well-known liar and cheater, and he also worked for the man. And so this was the man that's like oppressing the Jewish people at the time. But he's a Jewish person who's like, yeah, I worked for a guy. guy. By the way, pay your taxes on that fish that you caught. And nobody likes him and he's got a bad reputation, but then he becomes, again, changed, great reputation, but check out what he gets to do. What's the name of the first book in the New Testament? Matthew. He gets the honor of telling Jesus's story. And on and on it goes. It's just so amazing to see that these people with this baggage discover that through Jesus, their life has changed. And now the evidence of that change is their story, their testimony. Now we've, we've visited like about a dozen stories, okay? We just rapid fire went through a whole bunch of those things. And actually we're not gonna dive into any more scripture today. We've done a lot of scripture in the last eight weeks. Instead, what I wanna do is help us to think as a community, what does it mean for you to continue to live out that testimony, you know, in your own life? Probably the most well-known and famous song to have been written in the last 200 years is a song called Amazing Grace. You heard it? Probably. Like, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably heard some rendition of the song Amazing Grace. But what you might not know is the story behind that song. Uh, the author of that song, John Newton, understood the power of testimony and what we're talking about today. Newton was heavily involved in the African slave trade in the 1700s. This is a guy who was responsible for some of those horrid conditions on those, those, uh, those boats and people chained at the bottom of a boat. And like the stories that you hear, like that's, John was one of those guys doing that. Uh, he wasn't religious at all. He was just profiting on the suffering of others. But he meets Jesus and it completely changes him. It changes his heart. It changes his actions. And it changed his whole outlook on life. And so what John does is he, he writes a poem. He actually writes it for his, his church family to start with, which becomes this song. Let me tell you about John's transformation. John, after becoming a Christian, decides to leave the slave trade. And he becomes an abolitionist. His goal is to end slavery in Great Britain. And it finally does fall. And it ends. And he is on the front lines of that stuff. So when you hear the lyrics of this song, Amazing Grace, I, I, with that background, you go, wow, that's a testimony. Listen to this. He says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. Knowing his story makes those lyrics so much more powerful. Before I met Jesus, I was a mess. But now look at what God can do. That's testimony. And I want to use that as a formula today as we wrap up to talk about what it means for you and me to use the power of testimony to tell God's story. I want to give a couple of steps that I think are helpful. Um, what, is, what is your story? What is your story? Sharing your story can be the most powerful way of helping someone understand who God is. And so if we want to do that in our lives, uh, we could probably start with step one, which I'm just going to call, let God have your story. 
Let God have your story. When you meet people who have been transformed by Jesus, they can tell you about a day or a moment or a place or a time in their life when they said, okay, God, I get it. I can't do this on my own anymore. You can have it. You can have my life. You can rule. When we talk about Jesus being Lord, it's about submission. It's about taking a knee. It's about saying, it's not, it's not my will, but yours to be done. Letting God have our story is extremely difficult because we want to own it. But this is my question. This is a simple question. Have you let God have your story? Maybe that's the step you need to take today. God, I just need to, I need to submit. I need to give in. I need to let you have my story. We cannot begin to live out the richness of life that God has for us if we don't first submit and make him Lord and give him our story. That's, that's the first step. Simple, right? Let God have your story. Second step. Second step. Tell God's story by telling your story. Tell God's story by telling your story. Like there's this misunderstanding, I think, among a lot of us that I, I, I don't know if I can really, you know, spread the word of God and talk to my friends and really be, because I'm not well versed in all of scripture. I haven't even read the whole Bible. I haven't been to a single Bible college class and I don't know all this and I don't, I'm scared. It's okay. Now those things are really good to learn and they're helpful. But there is nothing more powerful than you simply telling your story about what God did. When your story encounters God's story, your life is forever changed. And there's a lot of things we can debate about. You can debate with your friends about the origins of the universe. And if you've got a friend who doesn't believe that God was involved in the origins of the universe, well, you could debate about that all you want to. And, and you could come up with some information and some information. You can pile them up and you could pick a winner based on, I don't know, whatever information you pile up. And maybe you're convinced and maybe you're not. That's debate. And since neither one of you were there, well, we don't really know who won that debate. We can just see who had the best argument. Uh, there's other ways that we do this. We debate philosophically with people about like the nature of God. Well, God wouldn't do that or God would do that. And you can, you can pile up some ideas on either side of that, uh, that pendulum. And you could, but you know what? You don't really know 100% the full nature of God because he's so big and we can't comprehend that. Uh, we can debate our opinions about all kinds of stuff. But I don't believe that debating is gonna ever win anybody over to the love of God. It's been effective for some people, I suppose. Maybe I overspeak there. But at the end of the day, there's no stronger evidence than personal experience. If I go to a restaurant and I eat their French fries and I say, these are the best French fries I have ever put in my mouth. You could try to debate me all day long, but I'm telling you, I've eaten a lot of French fries. And these are the best ones I've ever put in my own. I experienced it. Let me tell, and what am I gonna do? I'm gonna tell all my friends, you gotta go find their, try their, their French fries. By the way, I have opinions about the two best French fries in town. Uh, if you wanna know, let, ask me. I won't tell you right now. I wanna keep it a mystery. Um, but I'm a big French fry guy. It's like my favorite food. Potato is my favorite food. I digress. Our experience can hardly be refuted. That's why our testimony about what God has done in our life is the, the, the greatest story that we could tell. Remember, our goal is to let him have our story and then tell his story by telling our story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I once was a drug addict, but now I've been sober for five years. I once had a broken marriage, but we started aiming our relationship both at God and now we have a restored relationship. I once was a terrible person, but now I'm a person who has empathy. I once thought that the only important thing in life was to be rich and to have status and have a big career, but now I know that that's not how God measures me. That's your story. That's your testimony. 
tell God's story by telling your story uh, because he's writing it. He's the author of your story. And it lets people know that they're not alone. Like whatever they've been in that, you, that you've also been in, it can be so encouraging. He can take a persecutor of the church and he can make, make him one of the greatest missionaries of all time. He can take a slave trader and turn him into an abolitionist. What's your story? <laughs> and I bet it's a good one. Tell somebody. And maybe you're not sure what it is. I encourage you to look back. Our story is often most clear in hindsight. Ask the people around you. And maybe you don't feel like God has really shown you a story yet. It's possible that you haven't given it to him. That's why that's the first step. The last thing I'm gonna say this morning is this. Um, We're gonna give God our story. We're gonna tell God's story by telling our story. And, And the third thing that we need to do is be the spark. Now, let me explain that because this whole teaching series has been when God sparks a movement. That's what the story of Acts is, when God sparks a movement. Uh, and, And Jesus himself says this kind of thing when he talks about in the book of Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Therefore, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that it can give light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they can see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Jesus's encouragement is that you can be a spark. The little bit of light that's happening in your life can inspire someone else to look to the real light, which is God. He calls us the light of the world. And a lot of the world needs our light. They're living in darkness. I think a lot of the world wants the light of God. Maybe they don't even know it. Since the book of Acts, God has used each believer, their story as a spark for the next person. And, and, and you know how sparks work. They, they grow, they start flames and they spread. Your story can be the testimony that somebody else needs to see the evidence so that they can know that God is real, that he's working in people's lives and it can make a difference. The greatest stories are the ones that we live in and we feel like we're a part of. And guys, the book of Acts is one of those stories because you are part of it. The spark that started in Acts chapter one is still growing and spreading flame around the world. And you can play your part by telling your story, living out your testimony. That's testimony. That's the book of Acts. Let's pray.